Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I mean, no one plans to get sick, and yet, here we are. My name is Matthew Zachary. I survived cancer, a stroke, and COVID-19, and somehow, I'm still here. I also survived our stupid broken healthcare system, and I want to help you survive it too. So let's go make healthcare suck less together. Because you know what? We're all out of patience. Hey, that's the name of the show. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Another quick reminder before we get started. If you like the show, I hope you do. Please give me a like, a rating, a review, something on Apple Podcasts, or don't. Either way, thanks for listening on the show today. My guest is Scott Slater. I love these throwback episodes. I hope you do too. He's a longtime friend, former colleague at Stupid Cancer, one of the earliest activists who helped build the original young adult cancer movement back in the early to mid-2000s. Scott's a testicular cancer survivor, but that's just one of his many titles. He's a software engineer, an app developer, the founder and punk-in-chief at CodePunk, which is an epic software development company. He's an accomplished musician, which is how we originally met, and now we can add composer of musicals to his long list of creds. As the aging Gen Xers that we both are, Scott and I wax poetic about woke culture in healthcare, his new musical fable, and how the hell we're still here after a combined 35 years of survivorship. Plus, Scott correctly identifies the idiot's bias known as the Dunn-Kruger effect. Alex Trebek is surely beaming from on high. Enjoy the show. I'm talking to Scott Slater, one of the oldest BFFs from the Paleolithic Mesozoic. Like, let's pick an era. Oldest isn't just a term. It's chronological, <laughs> metaphorical, epidemiological, biological, metaphysical, all the things. All the things. You look great. Thank you. Do you, I, uh, you still get that? But you look great. <laughs> right. I haven't quite hit the age yet where when you tell people your age, they start applauding. <laughs> I've, I haven't made it to that yet. But Like when Clooney got his miles in up in the air. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I hit 50. That was weird. You know, normally under other circumstances, if we weren't us, like that's fucking old. I mean, yeah. I can't wait to be 50 because I'll be alive. Yeah. Right. What a perspective. Every new year gets you like higher up on the honey badger scale. <laughs> That's what makes getting older fun. Which is our version of no fucks to give. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I would have really loved turning 50 if it wasn't also my second COVID birthday. So it's just kind of like, oh. That's right. Well, that, that was fun. And yet we're still here. We're still here. And I haven't seen you in a while now because obviously everything got all screwed up there for like a year and a half. I mean, A, it's nice to see you. But it's actually nice to see you. <laughs> right. 
in an actual like in-person room. Not on a monitor somewhere with terrible voice over IP technology. Right. Listeners, Scott's also a tech geek like me. Right. Well, people like you and I have like bins of wires. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you look and you're like, do I need any of these anymore? <laughs> That's it. You know you've made it when you have bins of wires. Yeah. I'm like, what if I need this? And I don't even know what it is anymore. Right, right, right. I'm like, this is an ADB board from a Mac in 1992. Yeah. Or that video one with the red, the white, and the yellow. Like, when's the last time anyone needed one oh, of those? Oh, the RGYs? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, those are. One thing actually that came in handy when I left Stupid Cancer was I left all the cables there. Oh, good. So it's someone else's problem. Right. But people that aren't us see a bin like that, and they're like, yeah, get rid of that. Yeah. And just it just goes right out to the curb. So when my wife and I started dating, we moved into a house. And then we moved into a two-bedroom apartment. Then we moved into a railroad apartment. So we've only gotten less and less shit because of real estate. So I should be an anti-hoarder, but I'm not when it comes to wires. Well, yeah. I've lived in the same place for 12 years now. Remember when you moved there? Yeah. Top of the wick. Yeah. And I'm still there. And moving is such a great way to get rid of stuff. Yeah, oh my God. But yes. I haven't moved in 12 years now, and it's 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 not easy. Well, that's like the George Cullen shit versus stuff bit where my shit is stuff and your stuff is shit. <laughs> But to get more things to buy more stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of think my stuff is shit too, though. (laughs) Some of my stuff is shit. The wires, the box of cables are shit. Right. My God. I think I still have an iPod with the like wheel that actually moved. I have an iPod, the original one that was a USB stick. Yeah. And you couldn't like pick the song. You just like hit play. You had to hit play. Like there was nothing to do but plug it in. That was it. Yeah. It kind of looked like those Apple remotes did for a while. Yes. Yes, it did. I just got a brand new Mac mini because I use one as like a glorified TV box. Right, right. Uh, so it's like hooked up to my TV and that's all I use. It By the way, this is life after cancer. <laughs> if you can become regular, normal people that complain about having boxes of cables, you kind of know you're still around. Right. Is that being a regular, normal person though? Or well, that... <laughs> I'm going to do air quotes on the radio. <laughs> regular, normal person. <laughs> air quote warning. I'm in total retro throwback mode. We're fucking geezers at this point. Right. I still get asked questions. What was it like before the internet? Like, no, stop. But I think for perspective, this notion of life before the internet as a general abstract, let alone when you're sick, we have that experience. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, I have to put this in perspective. I can't remember if when I was sick, if I had a flip phone or a StarTech. StarTech. No, I had a StarTech. I didn't have that. I had like a Verizon, like, remember the sidekick? It wasn't that, but it was basically that style it opened up like long ways yes like, yes yes uh, i had the first motorola droid yeah the very first so one, the one like like seven yeah whenever you turn yes. it on yes it did that's the best one <laughs> we are going total throwback here yeah um actually i i miss well i wouldn't want to be sick during the days of like no information whatsoever right. but i do miss I remember growing up and we'd uh, go down to the Jersey Shore. You don't go to the shore. You go down the shore. Right. DCS. Yeah. So down the shore. And we stayed in a house that had no TV and no phone. And you would just like read books and sit on the beach and like everyone would come in the house and you'd talk. Like it's such a weird concept. Wait, wait, wait. What was that word again? (laughs) It's like talk. And then if you're talking about a movie and someone's like, what was that actor in? People just sit around and go, I don't know. All right. Then you just move on. Now you have like 20 people going, hold on. I got to find out right now. To the IMDb. Yeah, I have to find out at this second. I was explaining to my kids, actually to Hannah, she's way more weirdly inquisitive about things. She asked, why do we hang up the phone? <laughs> or, well, there used to be a thing that you put the phone on, but we also lurched into life before caller ID. Yeah. When you just had to 
hope it wasn't a piece of shit you don't want to talk to on the other line. And you were always wrong. You're always wrong. <laughs> Maybe this is my dad. No, it's it's a debt collector for student loans. And everyone had that one phone in the kitchen that had the most mangled cord because that's the one you'd like stretch like way out into the next room when you're talking on it. And then it would like all bunch up. Yeah, the house I grew up in was two stories and the kitchen, uh, it was yellow rotary with like an 80 foot radio shack cord. It went to like the attic <laughs> and man, did it get mangled, mangled up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I remember my parents like going to the store specifically to, just to buy a nice new like, you know, spirally phone cord because ours was just a big blob. Oh, my gosh. Them. It's terrible. So when I was tracking part of my story for the Cancer Mavericks documentary, I went back to the day that I was told there's something in your brain. I had an MRI that morning. My mom and I went out to lunch. We got back and there was a message on the machine. <laughs> like, what does that mean? Yeah, did the MRI machine have like a pull cord, like for like a <laughs> like lawnmower? mower, like, like a chainsaw? Yeah, might as well have. <laughs> My God. So yeah, there was a message on the machine, right? That's how life used to be in the '90s, and today it's like you get a, you know, a droid you yeah. know, notification on your phone. Yeah, you're gonna be dead in six months. Yeah, well, that's not a blessing or a curse. That's just different. It's just different. I've been recording a lot more music again lately, and like even I don't know seven years ago, I had like all this equipment and this like exterior gear and like effects and like cables everywhere. And I would just kind of like open up a laptop and stick like one cord into it. And I'm like, all right, let's go. That's how it works. Yeah. Listeners, Scott and I are both musicians. Like you're a really good musician, right? And you've written stuff, you were in bands. That's kind of how we first met because of music. But we think about what the stupid cancer show looked like in 2006, seven, eight. When it was in the elevator shaft. It was like Mel Gibson's apartment in the movie with Julia Roberts where he plays a crazy person. It's like it's just restaurant shelves to the roof of crap. And now it's like we have four things. Yeah. I love it. Like, I don't even record with amps anymore. I just use software amps. Yeah. They sound so much. So we good have a now. software amp right here. Like, hey, less shit to have. Less shit. And it works. I record on an electronic drum kit but I use all the like software sounds for the right. drums and you could place like virtual microphones in the virtual non-existent right, right. room. It's, it's crazy. Are you writing stuff differently now? Do you think about the arts and the way you create differently now than, you know, here we are with perspective of 15, 20 years. Well, back then I, maybe I did feel confined by the technology I could afford and I'd have ideas. I'm like, well, I can't do that. Like it would require blah, blah, blah. Like you can't make Avatar in 1982. <laughs> right. <laughs> and now like, I'm just like, if I hear it, I'm like, all right, let's just figure out a way to do this. Uh, and especially now I've been writing for musical theater. So my writing partner and I will say things like, well, yeah, we just want to like melt their face off. <laughs> That's the goal. So like, you know, it's just as big as you could possibly imagine. And we're not even recording in a studio right now I'm basically recording in my living room so it's like how do you turn that right experience into this like grandiose image you have in your head i love the ambition you've always had it's like you just do the shit that you want to get done and i'm a musical theater geek by trade and you've written a, a musical theater piece yeah that's extraordinary and it just kind of came out of nowhere and the funny thing is like i was never in that world i think even to this day i've maybe seen like under 10 musicals right uh, you know and people are always like, oh, what about this thing where, you know, did you, were you inspired by that? I'm like, I don't know what that is. No. <laughs> so the answer would be no. I assume Renton is one of the shows you saw. I've never actually seen Renton. Uh -huh. Like, I mean, I know it and I know the song, but I've right, never right. like seen the show. Sidebar, my favorite lyric from Rent is when they go, rent, 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 rent. <laughs> rent. Rent, rent. <laughs> it's like rent, 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 rent. <laughs> Anyone listening that knows what I'm talking about is nodding their head. <laughs> Everyone else is like, what the fuck is he talking about? 
Yeah. Anyway, I digress. Musical theater. I did get the chance to see Hamilton. That was amazing. A friend of mine had won tickets. Mm. And I got to see it on Barack Obama's last day as president. So it was wow. January 19th of 2017. That was a rough day. Yeah. And I get a call. And first of all, I'm like, who calls? Right. You know, so I answered the phone. It's my friend. And she said, can you make it to Times Square in 70 minutes? I'm like, why? She's like, I just got tickets to Hamilton. I'm like, I will make it to. Didn't they call that the lottery? Yeah. Because there really yeah. was a lottery. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Winning those tickets was like crazy. She'd been entering like every day. And on matinee day, she'd entered twice a day. You wow. Know? Yeah, yeah. So she won it. And so I'd like get all ready and I run out the door and I make it there and I meet her in front of the theater and we go up to the window to get the tickets. And the guy says, just so you know, no leaning on the stage. And I'm thinking like, all right, I'm not going to go. Uh, Jumping you know, like, on the whatever. balcony. So, so then they show us to our seats and they are the front row center. And I'm like, oh, okay, we are. Spit central. Yeah, we, we did need raincoats. Rain <laughs> but the cool thing was I knew nothing about Hamilton. I didn't know any of the music. Anytime people You've heard it, of the man though. Oh, yeah. I mean, I knew the show. Right, right. I just was like, I don't want to know it. Right. And so the cool thing was at that distance, I could understand every single word, even in the like fast rap stuff. Yeah. I yeah. could see their lips Incredible. like so well. Incredible. So like I was. So that was like one of five musicals you saw. <laughs> yeah. Did that play into I want to do this now and it's going to be like this? I've definitely been inspired by Lin-Manuel Miranda's work a little bit. He has that same sense of no abandon, and he'll just like right. throw everything into one number. Can you talk as fast as him? No. Okay. All right. All right. Limitations. Although we have we we have two mini raps in our really yeah in the musical we're writing, and whitest guy I've ever right. known in my life. Know thyself. But I studied music in college, and I love. It's kind of like a person that loves language. I love deciphering what makes a style of music a style of music. So right. the musical we're writing has all these world music influences and we're looking into like Cameroon folk. Yeah, you know, like just because right. we want so much stuff in there. And we're trying to walk that line of like appropriation. I'm like, I'm not trying to appropriate anybody. I'm trying to write music that makes me happy and share it. Light. Here in Amala, it comes from a tree. The great tree, a tree so brilliant. It casts its light over every field, stream, and mountain. A tree so luminous. It bathed the Amalans in endless days and chased away the night. We are the luminaries. We speak for the light. Listen to our story of how the Amalans took the most important things in life for granted. And how quickly those things can be lost, like sand through your this is a fable of the choice between darkness and light. This tale begins with light. We'll be right back after this. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. 
Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I'm channeling my inner Gen Xer now. <laughs> I really want to have an absolute empathy and tolerance for the way we think about culture and society these days. We clearly have evolved. I understand this idea of cancel culture. I hate it being a euphemism. There's nothing else that explains it. Right. And I understand sensitivities. And, and I, But I can I just vent? If you're channeling your inner Gen X, doesn't that mean I'm supposed to ignore you now? Yeah, I know. I like <laughs> Can I, I not offend you? Can you be offended by not being offended by you? <laughs> I'll try my best. No, I mean, I believe my audience are largely Gen Xers. And can we even say the word woke? No, now we're getting chuggy, which is... Uh, is that like fleek? Well, <laughs> so I have a confession, which is during COVID, I signed up for TikTok. Oh, dear. And um, and I did it mostly because of the musical. I wanted the musical to have uh, an account. I thought that would be yeah, cool. Yeah, that's fair. And their algorithm was pretty solid because within days, all the things that would pop up were musical theater things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I would also like see political stuff and I would want to like it, but I'm like, I don't want to like it as my musical theater account. So I made my own cultural bias. Yeah, I made my own account then. Yeah. And then I could like all the really hardcore political stuff too. The generation wars on there are hilarious. Did they ask you for your birthday? Yeah. And do they not allow you there if you're over 45? <laughs> well, there's a, people keep like using this sound to make new videos and it goes something like, okay, this video is for the older people on TikTok. You oh, know, dear God. Born after 1996. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah. But there are Gen Xers and boomers on there whose sole mission is to ruin the lives of the Gen Zers and the, and the Gen Alpha now that that's a reality. Gen A, is that like my kids? They were 11? Yeah, Gen Alpha's. Kind of like hurricanes, we get too many letters and then we have to <laughs> they, like start naming them. Greek. No, but in the theaters, they go to double A, don't they? They do. Should we generation double alpha? <laughs> yeah. Well, if we have Hurricane Zeke, the next one is Hurricane Alpha because they're like, we give up. Yeah, I guess so. Too many. Or Aaron, AA. Yeah. <laughs> there's no BB though. No, BB King. Hurricane <laughs> right, BB right, King. Right. CC Winan. <laughs> DD Ricks. E.E. E. Cummings. We we could keep going. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. We're naming the hurricanes in musical theater row order. <laughs> I love it. So we're talking about cancel culture and this whole generational divide about things. But I'm also looking into the lens of healthcare because that's our space. Now. Right. And one of my observations, of course, is that awareness of how your zip code, your socioeconomic status, this was not unknown to us. 
But now it's so much more prevalent because cancer isn't about your body part. It's about your genes. Yeah. It's about your DNA. And if you can get tests today, they can help you not get cancer instead of going in and having the fucking Chernobyl shit, right? <laughs> you can avoid Chernobyl shit if there's like simple stick tests and swab tests and spit tests. There's a shit on a stick test that prevents colon cancer. What a great idea. Right? Except, except that they all have a cute computer animated character. And nobody <laughs> needs that. It's like, what's the mucinex guy for the shit on the stick test? Well, there's that colon cancer box. That's right. Cola guard. Or whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. You yeah. stick and send your shit in. <laughs> but you know what? I'd rather have that yeah. than, sorry, <laughs> you're not going to have a, an anus <laughs> for the next 30 years. But my whole point in this is, is being more aware that your skin color, your salary, your zip code plays a role in whether you live or die. Yeah. I'm all for that equity and that social justice because it's like you're here to help people not die because no one asked to get sick. Well, it's like you just said, everyone kind of knew that, but now we have big data. You know, let's crunch the numbers and we right. can kind of look it all up. But Eddie Murphy apologizing for Delirious 40 years later, not necessary. Yeah. That was 40 years ago. Yeah. I have this theory, not that I'm 100% against an apology like that. Like, I don't. It's a recognition. Everyone these days think they deserve an apology for Delirious, and that is right. where it gets ridiculous. It's the deservation but, that is ridiculous. But yes. like, if Eddie Murphy wants to come out and be like, "Yeah, you know, I would not do these jokes today or whatever," that's fine. But I feel like the two things that society loves most is someone making it big. We love that. We cheer right. them on. And as soon as we get there, we want them to be embroiled in a scandal and watch them crash and burn. Exactly. And so. People love digging through 12-year-old Twitter accounts. Was Twitter right. around 12 years ago? I'm going to say yes. But like digging around and like finding like, oh, there, I caught you. Right. It's like a little ridiculous. Right. So are we in like uber judgment world where everything you do is totally democratized, where everyone has a say and the majority opinion rules? I don't know. I think right now it's just all being used for evil. Yes, there's uh, no good. I'm here. tenting my fingers as I say this. Do you remember the first Facebook groups that we set up for stupid cancer everyone played nice yeah there was no hate it was like social media really really worked for a while don't you think because it was social yeah <laughs> yes. now it's anti-social media it is it really is i hope that today's communities have a place to go where it's less hate filled and more welcoming but i like to believe that Patients in need of support don't go to social media because it's a bastion of bullshit unless you're part of some kind of maybe micro community. What do you think? I think that's totally on the mark. And it's sad because you either get a much smaller community of people who won't bash you for like asking a question. Right. There's something about social media these days that I, I think people are like, cool, now I can go online and be a dick to somebody. I don't I don't get that part of it. I think it goes back to everyone on there thinks they're an expert on everything now. First, we were social media gurus. Then we were thought leadership gurus. I don't know what today's version of this, but I do remember. Influencers? Oh, good. Yeah, you go. <laughs> it's the Inf worst, worst word influencers. ever. I'm going to influence you. I just feel like it's some kind of David Copperfield trick to just pretend that I can control what you think. But my point, and I think I had one, in the earliest days of Facebook, on the Stupid Cancer page, every now and then someone would show up with like some cannabis oil cures oh, yeah. cancer, and that was the start. Yeah. It all started there with the cannabis oil douchebags 
on Stupid Cancer's Facebook page telling us that we don't need radiation and chemotherapy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was like the the first trolls. Yeah. When you sit there, you go, well, that's odd. Yeah. And then, <laughs> Where did that come from? Yeah. Like, do you not realize that you're talking to people that are in desperate need of medical attention? The internet really, like, this is how old I am. It kind of started existing right when I got to college. And they were like, so there's this thing called the internet. Yeah. And at the time, I was like, cool, so I can talk to my friends. That's cool. Because, you know, all my high school friends were now at colleges all over the place. Right, right. But when I started learning about it, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Everyone's going to get so much more intelligent. We're going to have all this information. Society is future is fantastic. And I think what really happened is is people just got dumber while thinking they were getting more intelligent. Yes. And that's the worst combination possible. There's some kind of syndrome where if you are uneducated, but you think you're smart, you're more dangerous, but that's a psychosis. Right. Well, what's that graph, that Dunning-Kruger? That's what it is, Dunning-Kruger syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, with the, like the... Where'd you pull that from? Uh, I don't know. Well it's, done. <laughs> it was in there somewhere, obviously. Oh, my God. <laughs> the hole in my head where the tumor used to be is kind of filled with bacon at this point. <laughs> that's an excellent use for it. Yes, I think. exactly. Yeah, that, I think that's the root of why people are so shitty on the internet. Like, everyone thinks they're an expert on everything. Yeah, and you know, obviously, empathy to people that are in transference for mental health challenges. And it's really easy to lurch into a negative state and be self-reinforced by the dopamine hit of reaction. I'm not going to take that away from anyone, but through the lens of what we do here and what we stand for as advocates and trying to be here for the next generation, I really do hope that whatever degree of bullshittery and dumb fuckery and, and hate doesn't drive people into a worse space. Yeah. I've been thinking about our time at stupid cancer a lot because you spend all that work for something obviously health related and giving health information right to people and then covid comes along and it just gets so divisive and politicized i guess nothing should ever shock me anymore but i was shocked right. I, I really was and even recently they just completed some study and spent you know 6.5 million dollars on it and like said so conclusively blah 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 And one of the first posts was this woman that's like, I don't know, I have my doubts. And I'm like, based on what? You work at a, I was going to say blockbuster. (laughs) The last blockbuster. In 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 Alaska. Alaska. You work at the blockbuster in Alaska and you have your doubts about like a major medical study that they just concluded after 10 years of exhaustive research. Hypothetical situation. How quickly would society devolve if Twitter existed during the 1918 pandemic? Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's no way. (laughs) Which doesn't bode well for 100 years from now. Right, or polio. (laughs) Twitter during polio. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. What's really scary is that, you know, even like six months ago, it's like, okay, we're making it. Yeah, Yeah. we're on the way. And now I'm like, oh my God, what is it going to be like a year from now? It's just terrifying. Yeah. I try to toe the line between understanding why people have fears. There are genuine cultural relevancy fears in ethnic and diverse communities for hesitancies and distrust. Yes. Completely understanding it, aware of it, it makes sense. There are different challenges to overcome those hurdles. But for people who are educated and choosing not to do this versus people who don't even want to be educated and are knee-jerking based on misinformation. Yeah, I have a lot of sympathy for the vaccine hesitant. Yeah. Because there are real cultural and societal reasons for things like that. But the anti-vax thing is just... I don't... Yeah. If you're smart enough to be against the science, then you don't understand what science is. True. I'm not here to offend you, but you know what? Fuck it. Also wear a mask. Wear- 
<laughs> goes over your nose. I so I I was. Wait, you got your shots right? How recently? April fifth was my second. Did you have like a crazy arm pain thing? No, for both shots, my arm never even felt like anything even happened. Really? And actually, the second shot was really easy. I did Pfizer, and it's weird because I know everyone has had their own unique right responses to yeah, this yeah. thing. So after the second shot, I was almost like, did that go in my arm? Right, I didn't right. feel anything. Is it in there? Yeah. Right. After the first one, I think the worst thing that happened to me is I always call it an eyeball headache. It just feels like it's literally sitting right on top of your eyeball. Oh, dear God. It's not like up here. But it's a good Pfizer. problem to have, though. Yeah. It's a good problem to have. Yeah. And I felt really relieved to get it at least relatively early. Right. One like benefit of being a mm-hmm. cancer survivor. Got to take those things. Right well, that's ahead. the thing, too. Even me, I'm 25 years out. I'm like, should I get this? But I called up my friends at the NCI and said, what do you think about this? What should I be telling people? Because I don't know. There wasn't a, if you got cancer, here's COVID information website that popped up at any time during the brunt of things. But I was just genuinely concerned. I mean, I can't donate blood, right? I can't do that. I can't donate organs. Like there are things that you still can't do. What else is this going to be to affect me? Right. But you went to sites where you could find real information and talk to people Science. where you could find real Science. answers. Yeah. And you know what? I got the shot. I got it in February. I did the Moderna. It knocked me out for a weekend. Good problem to have. Not terrible at all. I still have antibodies. I get tested just for fun to see if I have them. And you know what? You do what you can do. So, Scott, with our wizened experience and our weathering skin all these years later as We're not quite the godfathers of survivorship, but maybe we're like the younger boomer grandparents of cancer survivorship. What are your thoughts? Like, I'm sure getting cancer in your 20s still sucks pretty bad. Yeah. But does it suck less? My initial reaction is maybe. Uh, (laughs) My diagnosis and experience was, I think, right before for the sweet spot because there wasn't really a lot of information out there for me at all. And, right. then, and then all of a sudden I found, you know, I'm too young for this, AKA stupid cancer. Right. And things really did change. So I definitely think things are better, but now I think if you're 25 and you get a diagnosis, you have to wade through so much more misinformation. Mm-hmm. We, we just didn't have information. Yeah. Now all the information is out there and about- <laughs> I just snorted. <laughs> we, had the, we had the absence of information. Yeah, which is <laughs> some ways better. I get yeah, in a weird way, it's kind of better. Yeah, so now the information is there and about 50 times more than that in just crap. Right. Because who doesn't suspect a health thing or whatever and go to immediately to Dr. Google and then freak themselves out because everything says you're going to die? The trusted source is the issue these days versus having no source (laughs) 20 years ago. Right, exactly. Well, on that note, I want to give a plug to Fable. Where can people learn more about it? So sadly, we don't even have an actual website yet, but there is a TikTok account at Fable Musical. I believe it's the same on Instagram. There's a Facebook presence. So we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, perfect. All right, Scott, I love you, my friend. Thank you so much. Love you too. Good to do this. Good to see you. That's all for today, folks. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Out of Patience with Matthew Zachary is a product of Offscript Media. Our executive producer is Matthew Zachary. Our senior producers are Brianna Seeley, Jen Oranja, and Andrew McDowell. It is mixed and edited by Brianna Seeley. Our theme music is by the Mike Van Allen Quintet and by Mara. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at 
contact at offscript.com to share comments, feedback, and make recommendations. For more information, visit offscript.com.